Hi and welcome to Mom 2.0, where it's all about restoring your energy to become your best self. I'm your host, Vicky Hapala. Let's get started. I'm talking a lot about nutrition lately for two reasons. Number one, it's my favorite topic to talk about. And number two, the episode I did on how our metabolisms work was my most popular episode so far and the one that I got the most feedback from. This showed me that most of you listening want to know more about how, when, why and what to eat for optimal health. I want to start by saying that whatever health goals you have, there is no one thing that will be the magic bullet for you. There are a lot of different aspects of health that work together to create the desired outcome that we're looking for. In the same way that there's no magic bullet, there is no one-size-fits-all approach. There are definitely some core principles to work around that remain somewhat fixed, but for the most part, we all have to figure out what works for us. Shocking. I know, seeing as every day we are promised by someone that we can get bikini body ready in 30 days by following this workout routine. And I'm not saying that workout routine's bad, by the way. It's probably a great workout routine. But I am saying that in isolation, it probably won't get you the results that you're looking for. A lot of the time, we are all searching for this perfect diet, the perfect workout routine, or the perfect supplement that's going to change everything for us. I know because I've been there. Over the last 10 years or so, I've tested out most popular diets and supplements. I've been a vegan and I've been paleo and almost everything in between. I've gone through long periods of bulletproof coffees every morning and long periods of fasting. Not all of this was to lose weight. Most of it, in fact, was pure curiosity and experimentation on my pursuit of health. What I wanted was to feel great and have more energy. At the end of the day, even, with, even when we say that we want weight loss, what we are really looking for is just to feel good. Before I had kids, I would test a lot of these diets on my husband and myself. Some would make us tired and some would make us hangry. And my husband likes to say that the diet he feels the best on is just normal food. What he means by that is, um, is a balanced diet of protein, vegetables and carbs with uh, wiggle room for dessert. Time and again, this way of eating has been the most sustainable for us. And I'll explain why a little later. While I was changing our diet depending on the fad at the time and our location, I should point out that back then I knew nothing about sleep and recovery and I didn't take alcohol into account either, nor did I take food quality into account. I had almost no clue about stress and its effect on my energy levels or weight and I had even less of a clue about hormones. My job was active but my exercise was very inconsistent. 
On my pursuit for the diet that would make me feel and look my best, I was looking at diet in isolation. Slowly but surely, over the years, I started understanding that all of these factors, and more, have a part to play in health, and that I couldn't focus on one area and ignore the others. Jump forward to now, and the routine I have is still far from perfect, and I'm tweaking it on a weekly and monthly basis. But I am definitely more in tune with my needs, and I focus on having more energy, because that's the thing that makes all areas of life better. So which diet framework is the best then? As a normal person, it is very difficult to discern which diet camp is right. They all make massive health claims and promises. But they can't all be right, can they? I think that they can, in a way. I think that each diet framework has some advantages and downfalls, and that each will get you some sort of results, at first, anyways. But almost none of the rigid diet frameworks are sustainable for the average person, let alone for a busy mother who's cooking for a family with different likes and with different nutritional needs. Because these frameworks are unsustainable long-term, and because results often stall or reverse, long-term compliance is usually very low. Even knowing this, I have still tried new ones as they come in, thinking this will be the one. I've also thought, I'm not the average person, so I'll be able to beat the odds. Want to take a wild swing at where I end up each time? And I bet that some of you listening have been there too. You might still be thinking that you could be one of those in the small minority that these work for long term. And you could be right. I have no idea about your circumstances and your environment. And they do work for some people. So at this point, you may be thinking, thanks for nothing, Vicky. You're basically telling me it's hopeless. But I'm not. There's another option. One where your diet and lifestyle is not linked to your identity. You don't have to say, I'm vegan or I'm paleo or keto or whatever next year's trend is. And this brings me back to my husband, who likes to say, after trying all these different protocols, the diet I've felt the best on is normal food. In last week's episode, I talked a bit about ultra-processed foods and how they hijack your system so that you literally can't stop eating. I spoke about looking at food from a different point of view, not good or bad, but food and food-like substances. In episode, I think, number nine on metabolism, I gave you the analogy of your metabolism being a fire and needing the correct fuel in order to function properly. So here's where it all ties together. Sticking to whole, good quality food is the most sustainable and enjoyable way to eat. It has the best compliance. Once you're past the stage of um, purging all the zombie food from your kitchen and your body, an unpleasant but necessary step. Once you start eating a diet that is based around real food, things that you can grow, hunt, fish, recognize as food, you can start to tweak it to make it fit your personal needs. 
When compared to hyperpalatable zombie food, real food can taste quite bland, but over time you'll start to enjoy these foods much more and your body will start to again link flavor profiles with nutrient content. This is what it means to feed your furnace its desired fuel and get everything running correctly again. I'm not saying to aim for perfection. A lot of nutritional experts agree that part of having a rounded diet is leaving space for free foods or treats or whatever you want to call it. If you ban a certain food from your diet, I've no doubt that you will start craving that food at some point. And then it becomes this vicious cycle. You ban a food, you end up craving it and you give in. Then you feel bad about yourself. And then it's like, what's the point in trying when I always just fall off the wagon? And then you eat some more. And then you go bananas eating all the banned foods. And then you swear to get back on track again after the weekend. Sound familiar? But you can beat the system by leaving space for these foods. You go to a party, eat the food, relax. One slice of cake does not have to be the gateway to fried food and sodas. I would put in one caveat here. While it's not my place to suggest you do one thing or another, by all means, eat whatever you want. I just want you to have the right information so you can make informed choices when it comes to your health. That being said, if you do the hard work to get yourself off of the highly processed foods, every time you eat one of those foods later on, it's like having to struggle through that process over and over again. So now I've confused you because I've said leave room for treats and then I said stay away from zombie food. But there's a huge amount of delicious treats that we could eat that are not zombie foods, but that they shouldn't be consumed daily. Anything that you could make at home, any baked good or from a place that you trust the ingredients, it's things like dark chocolate are even considered by many to be a superfood. Whatever it is that you want to leave, leave room for, just do it. Do your best to check the ingredients for anything you wouldn't have in your home so that you don't undo all the hard work that you put in. Growing up, I drank a lot of soda, specifically Coke. And when I first uh, tried to stop drinking it, it was so hard and the cravings were strong. But each time I went back, I liked it a little bit less. And at one point, I remember it had been over a year since I'd taken a sip. And I had a, I had a sip of someone else's glass. And it was disgusting. It was sickly sweet. And just like that, the cravings were gone. Anyone who's ever been on any sort of detox or clean eating regime for a week or more will tell you that after that, even things like carrots taste very, very sweet. So yes, there will be some amount of discomfort in the beginning, but it's totally worth it once you get to the other side. Another thing I want to point out here is supplements. I've also fallen into the trap of thinking that I could supplement my way out of a below average diet and lifestyle. But the truth is, the difference that supplements make to your health is very minimal when compared to the difference that could be made by cleaning up your diet. Even then, you should really get blood work done to determine what supplements you need. Because, like I always say, we're all so different. So as I close for this week, I want to leave you with this question. What is the one thing you are going to do this week 
to improve on your health. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend. I hope you got a lot of value out of that episode. Please feel free to share it with someone you think it may help. And if you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate you taking the time to leave me a rating and review. It would really help the show. All right, have a great day and don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already.